In a research survey you'd usually associate with major provider companies, Drewbury Insurance's protection survey lifts the lid on what consumers think of life insurance, critical illness and income protection. Whilst the results aren't surprising in themselves, they do remind us that we must renew our efforts to push out positive messages. Listen to Tom explain why Drewbury set up the survey, what the sample was and the headline results. Hear about the three top reasons consumers don't consider protection insurance. Those three primary reasons are unchanged in almost 20 years and highlight more than ever before the need for face-to-face financial advice. That's all right here in episode 33 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Welcome. You're listening to the podcast for providers and advisors looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of protection and finance. you can find the show notes and links to things we talked about at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash mpaf so let's get on with the show and here's your host roger edwards Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Marketing Protection and Finance podcast. Before we get into that interview with Tom Connor, I just wanted to mention a couple of other things. First of all, thank you. To everyone who listens to the Empath Podcast and puts me and my guests into your earphones each week. I've been overwhelmed by the increasing number of downloads and the support you've given me. A special shout out to Pete Matthew and Martin Bamford who've encouraged me to invest into some audio mixing equipment. You'll notice a distinct improvement in the audio quality, particularly on Skype interviews, in a few episodes time. Secondly, I'd be grateful if you'd take two minutes to leave me a review on iTunes. If the Empath Podcast gives you ideas and is useful to you, a few words to that effect would be most appreciated. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF, enter iTunes and leave me a review. Finally, I saw an interesting article that appeared in Cover Magazine recently. I thought that it might make for an interesting future episode. This is the headline. Insurance CEOs see overregulation as a key threat. Well, whilst regulation is here to stay, I do wonder whether overregulation will come from government or from the regulated themselves. How much of this overregulation will be actual overregulation or the very CEOs mentioned simply platinum plating the guidelines and creating needless red tape in their organisations? Cottage industries and whole departments spring up around this stuff. When you have more people in compliance and audit than you have in sales and marketing, alarm bells should go off. I heard of one product provider that takes 48 hours to approve a tweet. What's all that about? 48 seconds is too long. Don't let over-regulation become an excuse for over-interpretation. Do you fancy coming on the Empath Podcast to talk about this? Please do get in touch. And now let's get to that interview with Tom Connor talking about the lessons learned from the Drewbury Protection Insurance Report, right here on the Marketing, Protection and Finance Podcast. So let's get started with today's interview, and I'm delighted to introduce you to my guest today, and he is Tom Connor. 
Tom is a director at Drewbury Insurance. He was an advisor for five years, but now spends most of his time running the business and managing a team of 15 other advisors. Before that, he worked in the city after graduating with a master's degree in finance from Cambridge University. Tom believes passionately about educating the wider public and about the need for protection and income protection in particular. Outside of work, Tom can often be found at the rugby watching England or the Harlequins and has a goal of skiing on every continent of the world, having already ticked off three from the list. So, Tom, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. And you're, you're talking to me from Moorgate in London, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. We, um, we, we have one office in Brighton and one in Moorgate. And I, uh, living in Old Street, Moorgate is obviously the better choice for me. So you literally have a five-minute walk to work in the morning. Yeah, pretty much. So, Tom, thanks for coming on the podcast. And today we're going to be talking about some research that Drewbury Insurance has just done into customer attitudes to the protection market and income protection in particular. But before we get to that, Tom, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, where you came from, what motivates you, basically what makes you tick, Tom? When I was younger, I was always more into sport than I was academics, and I always planned to actually sort of go more into professional sports. I mean, that's why I was Harlequin supporter. I used to play for their youth team. And then when I start, went to university and started studying economics, uh, I started getting more interested in the economy and from there into business. And from there, naturally sort of flowed more into the city and then more into a sort of an entrepreneurial route. Um, so I suppose what really sort of motivates me and one of the reasons why I, I left the city to do what I'm doing now now is because I really wanted to feel like I'm sort of building and creating things. So one of my sort of internal mottos is always be creating. And was Drewbury Insurance one of your creations? Well, it was uh, myself and um, Andrew Jenkinson, who, who we both run the business, which uh, I think was about sort of five, six years ago that we, we started working together. It's quite interesting that you've just launched a press release for some research that Drewbury Insurance has undertaken, and you're calling it the Drewbury Insurance Protection Insurance Survey, and it's something you do tw- once every two years, is that right? Well, ideally we'd like to do it every year but um, it it just sort of slipped into the 2015 rather than the 2014 this time Um, but uh, yeah we'd like to do it annually and try and benchmark over the years. I've seen the press release it's on your website I've seen quite a lot of people talking about it on Twitter and on LinkedIn and actually when I read the uh, press release there was two things that struck me first of all quite a lot of the findings within the insurance report that you've put together are very similar to an event I went in in London just over a week ago by a group called The Syndicate. They'd done some research as well. And the findings were pretty similar as to what consumers think about the insurance industry. So we can come to that. But the other thing that really occurred to me was that as an advisor firm, you've put together research, which normally you would expect to see from companies like Aviva or Bright Grey or Legal in general. So what was the the motivation behind putting together this insurance survey? I mean, first of all, being an advisor firm, we're on, on the front line. So it's it's obviously important to understand what consumers are thinking about when they're you know looking to make a purchase or perhaps you're thinking you know deciding not to make a purchase now, people have been talking about uh, you know, the protection gap for you know a decade so it's trying to understand why that exists and you know what what we can try and do to try and narrow it and you know naturally that helps helps our business on the front line Tom, take us through how you conducted the research then. Um, What was the sample size and what were the sort of people that you were talking to? 
Yeah, so the, the sample size was 1,820 people um, spread a, across the UK. Uh, the, the one sort of criteria that we did have was that they were working, so they're either employed, self-employed, or, 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 or a company director. So it was really trying to look at people who have an income, I suppose, and you know, potentially have a need for protection. And what were the high-level findings that came out of the research? So I suppose the first one was that the people are extremely vulnerable. There are a huge number of people who have very limited savings, they have very limited sick pay, and they have you know, very limited protection insurance in place. And was there anything in the research that suggested why this was? So I think that there are three key points. You know, one, people are not really aware of what's, what's out there. You know, in our previous survey in 2013, uh, we asked people what income protection covered. And only 17% said it covered accident and sickness. 48% said it covered accident, sickness and unemployment. So there's obviously the PPI confusion there. Um, 16% just said unemployment and 19% weren't sure. That's quite scary, isn't it? One in four people, one in five people almost don't know what income protection covers. That's quite shocking. (laughs) Exactly. So I think the first key message from the survey is that, you know, we just need to educate people. There are a lot of TV adverts and and what have you that play on heartstrings, but miss the point that, you know, do these people actually understand what you're talking about? It's just really making people aware of what cover is out there and what's available. And I think that the survey also said that 6% of people had never even heard of income protection. Yeah, that, yeah, that's correct. And, you know, 6% does sound like a small number, but when you put it into context that only 7% actually have cover, then, you know, it's quite significant. As I said before, I went to the launch of some other research last week in London uh, by a group called The Syndicate, and they were showing similar findings. And I think that one of the problems that we have as an industry is something that I've heard to refer to as the curse of knowledge. And we deal with this stuff every day. So you're talking about income protection life insurance, critical illness, other financial services products, I'm talking about it. Everybody else in the industry is talking about it. We create our own language around this sort of thing. And we do tend to forget that the man on the street really just has no clue a lot of the time what we're talking about. And I think that the research you've you've, um, put together here shows that, again, that we need to find better ways to engage our customers and to explain to them what exactly it is that we do. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, you know, is a central part of our advisor training process is that we try to cut out all of the technical terms, you know, to try and explain everything in, in layman's terms. And, you know, as an industry, you know, as a whole, we probably need to get a bit better than that. Uh, that. No, it's good that you're um, getting your people to talk in, in layman's language, Tom. And again, it's one of the one of my all-time passions is to try to eliminate silly language from the insurance industry. I mean, I mean let's face it, every industry has its own uh, its own jargon and its own way of talking. But as an industry, we certainly do seem to overdose on it. So we've established that people don't really understand what this stuff is and what it does. But we've got another problem on top of that. And I think the, the other results of your survey suggest that we need to work even harder on trying to make people understand why it's important in the first place. I mean, one of the key findings was that 40% said that they didn't have income protection because they thought it was too expensive. Now, if you've got a whole load of people that don't really understand what it is or what it does, 
it's not surprising that when they look at the pricing that they think it's expensive. The, the, other, the other point on this as well is, is to do with you know, risk. You know, there is, there's obviously a, an optimism bias that we all have, the it won't happen to me syndrome. And in, in the survey that we did, we asked people what, what they thought were the chances of someone being off work for over six months during their working life. And the answer that people provided was one in 30. Now, the actual, the actual answer is one in 10. <clears throat> so the real risk is three times higher than what people think. If you think that you're, you're three times less likely to need to make a claim on something, you're naturally going to think it's expensive. So trying to, in whatever way we can, try and make people realize that the, the actual risk and the actual chances of them needing to claim are, are a lot higher than what they think they are. Yeah, I think one of the problems we've got in the industry is this complete, we talk about the protection gap, and, and to be perfectly honest, I, I feel that the protection gap is become an all-time industry cliche and it's probably something that we tend to we should probably move on from but there is also what i would term to be almost like a perception gap in many of these areas so you already already mentioned the affordability issue everybody you ask it seems about insurance whether it's life insurance critical illness or income protection the first answer usually is oh it's too expensive but actually, if you dig a little bit deeper into that perception, you'll find that actually they have no idea how much it is in the first place. So you might ask one person, tell me how much 250 grand of life cover would cost, and they'll say a tenner. And then you'll walk down the street and ask somebody else, and they'll say 25 quid. And then you'll walk a bit further down the street and somebody else will say 50 quid. The actual reality is they think it's expensive, but they've got no idea how much it is at all and of course that's where we need financial advice and we need people like yourselves to, to help to educate people but I think the problem we've got is that nobody has a clue about how much this thing costs and therefore they change that lack of knowledge about how much it costs into a bland statement that it's just going to be too expensive. There was one uh, sort of cross-section in the survey that we did that we didn't actually put out but it was looking at the question of you know, why all those people who said they think that it was too expensive. So that 40%, cross-referencing cross on that on a, another question that we asked um, about uh, the, main, the, the main reason that they looked for a policy, it was something like of those 40%, it was, it was about 30% of them later on went on to say that they had never looked. So they think it's expensive, yet they've never actually looked for it. They've just heard somebody in the pub or they've heard a friend saying that it's expensive. And of course, the second thing you, you said again, uh, again, is this optimism bias, this, oh, it's much less likely to happen to me. And let's face it, people don't like to think about nasty things. You don't want to think about injury. You don't want to think about being in an accident. But it is interesting that people underestimate the likelihood of this sort of thing. So what can we do? And you know, what, what, were the, what were the suggestions that were coming out of the research that we can do to try to educate people better around these things that they have uh, these wrong perceptions about? Well, I, I think there are a couple of things. I think LV's risk reality calculator is uh, obviously a useful tool if people are seeing people um, seeing clients face to face. It's obviously useful to sit down and to go through that and just to to make people aware. I mean, we actually 
built a, uh, it sounds a bit morbid, but a, a risk of death calculator for, 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 for people looking at mortgage insurance for, for life cover, where, you know, what were the chances that they had actually passed away before their mortgage term ended? Just to try and, I suppose it's trying to use technology as much as possible, just to, um, an, an interactive tool to try and uh, align people's expectations. You know, that's in a, on a sort of a statistic basis, but, you know, campaigns like Seven Families is great to try and educate people on the, on the what if factor and just sort of get them engaged with actually thinking about it in the first place because that's probably a, a big part that's missing that we're not sort of making people aware that these policies exist and then you know one, you know and then once we actually try and make them aware that they exist try and educate them a bit further on the chances of them actually needing to claim so it's probably you know we're missing the first part and we're not even able to get onto the second part i don't think yeah, the Seven Families campaign comes up time and time again on the Empath podcast. And let's face it, it's a great campaign. And I think we're just on to number four, family number four now. So I'm sure yeah. I saw that was in the Daily Telegraph or the Sunday Telegraph or something like that. Another great story, very emotional, very hard hitting. And I, I sit there thinking, you know, we need so much more of this stuff it's almost like seven families isn't enough. We need 7,000 families. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've really got to keep pushing these positive messages out more and more. And again, and I start to sound like a stuck record these days, but everybody can get involved in that. Just like you've proved with the Drewbury Insurance Report, you've taken this on, you've done this research yourself. Normally you would expect this stuff to be done by bigger insurance companies, but you've shown that an advisor firm can get involved in the promotion of this and, and, and the education of the protection market and everybody needs to get involved with that we need to be pushing out these positive stories time and time again and the reason that I talk about the positive stories is because the third thing that came out of your, of your report which again shouldn't be a surprise is this continued almost ingrained lack of trust people have for insurance companies just talk, talk us through a little bit about that Tom I mean this is, this is a really big one because it, it sh you know, we all know what the payout rates are and it's brilliant that more or less every insurer has started publishing them now. And so we know that, that they're very good. We just need to let, pe let the consumers know how good they are. It's no good just publishing them on a, on a page, I don't know, on your PR site and it's going distributed around to all the trade press. You know, the consumers don't see that. So we need to try and voice that a lot more. I mean, in the, in the survey we found, in, in this survey, we found that 17% of people specifically said they didn't buy income protection and 20% for life insurance because they had a distrust of insurers paying claims. We also we also asked what percentage of, of claims, of life claims they thought were paid, and the median answer was 50%. So people only, only think that 50% of life claims are being paid, when in reality it's 98, 99% of claims. So it's, it's trying to get that message across to make people understand that you know, insurers don't try and quiver about every single claim and try and get out of it with long terms and conditions to catch people out. There was a, a, actually an interesting comment in uh, an article in This Is Money on Wednesday. Um, it, was a, it was a piece about life insurance and the importance of it. <clears throat> and looking at the comments, this is, this is, I think, pretty much sums up what a lot of people think. And I'll read it out. The problem with many of these policies is paying out as when your dead wife discovers it only pays out under a pink donkey when the moon is in the third quarter. If you look at any newspaper article online where, and read the comments, it's absolutely full of this. Now, it's just simply not true. 
And it's, it's something that we really need to get a lot better at trying to correct people's expectations of, of, of the quality of the products and the quality of the service that we provide. You know, we know it's good. We just need to get that message out there. You're absolutely right. And I saw an article this week. I can't remember which newspaper it was in. Another life insurance company publishing its claim statistics. Great stuff. No problem with that at all. We want more of it. And the figures that they were coming up with were exactly in line with what you've been saying. 98%, 99%. But I read the article and I thought, that's not enough. What you've actually done here is you've published more claim statistics that can just add to that curse of knowledge that I spoke to before. All we're doing is we're telling each other and patting each other on the back about how great our claims payment is. Yet out there, as your research shows, 50% is what people really think is being paid and 50% is just awful. And why would anybody want to buy a policy if they thought that only half of them were going to pay out? The problem is, uh, and again, you've mentioned optimism bias. There's the other one, of course, which is confirmation bias. And the problem is that a lot of people can go onto the Internet, type in life insurance or income protection or whatever, and they will find as many articles as is possible to see saying how bad these policies are and effectively confirming those views. And it's interesting, you, you guy saying about the wife discovers that it only pays out if you died under a pink donkey when the moon was in its third quarter. You can just guarantee that he's read that on some website somewhere and has just believed it. And he'll now trot that out to everybody he can speak to. And it's almost a joke, isn't it? Oh, it's a, yeah. it's a funny thing. But it, it gets ingrained within the consciousness of the population. And again, coming back to what I said before, the only way we're going to overcome this is to take these claim stats out of money marketing and out of cover magazine and get them into the mainstream media and that's more stuff like seven families it's people like yourself doing more research like this and publishing it's other people doing videos and audios more podcasts like this until we almost saturate the market with positive stuff so that when people do start looking for the negative stuff there's more chance that they'll find positive results as opposed to things that confirm what they think is the truth. I mean, exactly. Um, if a, a big insurer is going to put out an advert on life insurance, you know, why, why don't they add a line at the end of it to say, oh, by the way, that we're very proud to say that we paid 99% of claims last year? You know, it's just reinforcing that, it, well, it, it's changing the view about what, um, what, what, what claims are actually paid relative to what they think. That's absolutely right. We've got to do something about that perception gap, that difference between the 50% that they think and the 98% of the reality. And Tom, tell me about some of the other things that Drewbury Insurance have been doing to, to try to change the perceptions of your customers. I think that you know, we've spent a, a lot of time working on um, working on our, our on our calls with clients to try and be as informative and as educational as possible. And I think it just comes really sort of comes down to being you know, the experts at, at what you do and knowing the ins and outs of all the products that you deal with. I mean, you know, we would love to try and take some of this research and put it into an amazing marketing campaign. But it, it, you know, as a as a small advisor, that's you know, we obviously don't have the sorts of budgets that say some of the insurers might have to try and do that. But you know, we'll try and do little bits here 
here and there where we can often trying to use tools I mean for example we built a, um, a, a family insurance tool where people will go on and they put in um, you know, details about themselves um, you know sick pay entitlement whether they've got children a mortgage those sorts of things and it pulls up some results as some guidance to say oh well these products will probably be useful for you and within these products these these options and these levels of cover would probably be useful for you and then so obviously we're trying to do small things like that dealing with sort of you know mum and baby type sites but it's, it's just trying to use our knowledge and use technology and you know and, and try and put that out as much as we can with the sort of budgets that we have yeah i think i think in the the digital world that we live in now budgets almost become irrelevant what we really need is good content and the research findings that you've come up with here is good content and it's the sort of thing that people will consume and just putting together calculators it might seem small in the grand scheme of things but you've got social media you've got the internet as your friend you can get these messages out there and again i i keep coming back to this if more providers and more advisors spent time doing smaller stuff like this and trying to get it out there using social and digital then we've got a good chance of changing the perception of the public so tom it's been fascinating talking to you about the research findings what are the one or the two big ideas or or results that have come out of this work that you've done that you'd like those people listening to the empath podcast today to take away from your experience I, I think the the main I think the main one well there's two and the two are interrelated. There's one how we need to try and get uh, get around the issue of people thinking that protection is expensive. We also need to try and get around the issue of people thinking that insurers are dishonest and they don't pay claims. And the two are interrelated because if you think an insurer is going to try and wiggle out of paying claims and they only pay 50% of claims, you're naturally going to think that the price you're quoted is expensive. On the expensive side, if you think that the chances of actually needing to claim are a lot lower than what they are, you're going to think it's expensive. So I think the big message is, is that you know we've got 40% of people that don't buy protection because they think it's expensive. We just need to work out ways to try and educate them about why it costs what it does. It costs what it does because the claims are a lot higher than what you think they are it costs what it does because we actually try our best to pay out as many claims as what we can so it's just getting that message across and, and educating them about price and not you know not keep going back to think, saying things like oh how much do you pay for your sky because people with their sky they don't go oh i'm thinking about buying sky how much does life insurance cost they look at the features and benefits of that particular product in isolation and and we need to do the same with, with protection of course the the sky product has been rammed down people's throats day in day out so they know what the features are they know what they're buying for their yeah. 30 or 40 pound a month whereas your research has shown that people just don't know what protection can offer them and of course whereas they probably trust sky as a provider although they might not like the customer service they trust them as a provider there isn't that trust with insurance companies and that's something that the industry continually needs to work on tom thank you so much for sharing this research with us people think it's expensive people don't trust insurance companies and of course they don't really think that they need it and in reality i've been doing this protection um, lark for over 25 years now and you know what 25 years ago those were the same three things that 
prevented people from buying it. And I've always felt that the uh, the way to overcome those three things is to get somebody sat face to face with a financial advisor such as yourself and the people who work for Drewberry Insurance. And effectively, that's what we've got to do. We've got to continually push out the messages, make it more positive and encourage people to seek financial advice. Before we go, I always like to finish the Empath podcast with four quick-fire business questions. Are you happy to stay for a few more moments just to cover that off? Yeah, no worries. If there was one thing that you could change in the financial services industry, you know, perhaps by waving that proverbial magic wand, Tom, what would it be? For me, it would be for for the general public to not necessarily really like us, but just to see us in a in a different light, to see us in a in a in a helpful light, rather than in a in a light where we're a necessary evil that's trying to cheat them out of their money. <laughs> I think we're all on the journey to try and change that perception. What's the one business model? or a product or a campaign that's caught your attention in the last year even if it was from a competitor tell us what it was and what you liked about it uh, for me oh, it's, uh, I suppose on, on the campaign and the educating because that's something that I'm particularly interested in it was uh, probably Unum's backup plan campaign it, it, it's just the, the, the title the TV adverts you know we had a lot of people phoning into the office saying oh I need a backup plan I saw, I saw the adverts so it was just that initial spark that was brilliant to get people to talk about it um, I also saw them you know, rolling it out on um, a lot of um, sort of mum and baby sites trying to engage people and get the conversation flowing I mean I suppose for them you know they, they probably launched that about a similar time that they pulled out of the individual market which was a bit funny but in terms of a, a campaign you know there's something that you know I, I really like because it just engaged people tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your life and or your business uh, for me, it's um, Google Docs. Um, just you know, having every, you know, living in a world where we're not, you know, I'm not surrounded by stacks of paper everywhere, where everything can be stored in a in a nice, clean, online, accessible way. And finally, what's the best business book that you've ever read? Tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it. It's probably Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, it's, it's often a book that's used, read by salespeople, but I think if you manage anybody, it's a, it's a great book with just how to, you know, how to deal with people and, and how to get the best out of people. Yep. Tom, thanks very much for that. Before we sign off, tell everyone how they can contact you. So that's either your email address, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, and, of course, your website. You can find, uh, find me on Twitter at um, Tom Drewbury. And um, website-wise, we're at um, drewberryinsurance.co.uk. That's fantastic. Tom, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and talking to me today. It's been fascinating to talk about the research that you've done and the implications that it has on the future of the protection market. Let me wish you every success for the future and hope to catch up with you again soon. Brilliant. Th thanks for having me. listening to the marketing protection and finance podcast do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash mpaf for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed if you enjoyed the show please leave a review on itunes simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash itunes and leave a review 
If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You can be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay? Okay.